Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Guys, we're going to need some Kevin Hayes because we're a little short-handed without Steph, but I think uh, I think we'll be okay. Oh. Because we have the rest of the gang here, let's lead it off with Canada's own Kelly Henkel. So because Steph isn't here, I'm going to honor her by saying, hooray, Nolan Patrick did hockey things today, and that's great. I am uh, I'm happy for him that he got out on the ice. We'll talk a little bit more about what it could potentially mean and what the coach said and everything about it today. We'll get into that later in the show. First, let's introduce the athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So uh, I think in the grand scheme of the season, this is probably going to get lost because I, I hate to say this, but hopefully he won't play another game this season for the Flyers because that would imply that Carter Hart is healthy and Brian Elliott continues to play well and stays healthy. But I, I would like to point out that it was nice to see Alex Lyon have the start he had against the Avalanche. He played really well, and that was a really tough matchup. That was a game that really you could argue the Flyers shouldn't have won it. They were playing in the second game of back-to-back. -back. The Avalanche were fully rested from the bye week. And Alex Lyon is the third goalie on the depth chart. Not Carter Hart, not Brian Elliott. And he played, especially in the first period when the team was not playing very well, he did a really good job. A lot of the players in the team said how, you know, he kind of bailed them out when they were sort of flat-footed the first part of that game. And it's important to remember with Alex Lyon that, you know, I don't really know what future he even can have in this organization. So every opportunity he gets at the NHL level is just as much an audition for other teams as it is trying to help the Flyers. And obviously he cares about trying to help this team win, but he's 27 years old. You know, he's still trying to pursue his dream of being an NHL goalie. And I don't think it's going to happen in Philadelphia, but by playing as well as he did against a really good avalanche team, it increases the chances just a little bit that maybe sometime down the road, he'll get that shot. And he's a good guy. And I, I hope he does get that shot. As I said, I don't think it's going to happen here just because of the dynamics of the depth chart and Carter Hart establishing himself and then wanting a veteran to pair with Carter Hart at the NHL level, but maybe it'll happen somewhere. And I was really happy to see him get that, that game and play well in it because it increased the chances in my mind that he might get that opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, Alex, I had tickets to the game Saturday. I got them like a month ago. Just wanted to see the Avs. Thought it was a good time to go uh, check out a game. And I'm like, yeah, the Avs are uh, sitting there waiting for us. You know, as we're coming back from a road trip, uh, they had the whole bye week. Put Flyers played the night before. Alex Lyons in net. All right, well, maybe I'll just get to see some uh, cool plays by players on the other team that I like to follow. But no, Alex Lyon did a good job, and I was happy for him. I couldn't believe when I looked up the other day, he was 27. Where the hell does the time go? Yeah, right. right? So my, uh, the, all I want to say today is exonerated. Free at last, free at last. This was a witch hunt from the beginning. <laughs> the, uh, no wrongdoing. It came oh, out boy. today. No wrongdoing. We are... Uh, we are finally uh, absolved. The orange weirdo, not a criminal. And of course, I'm talking about Gritty. <laughs> Gritty. 
Kitty, the mascot. Not the guy inside the fucking suit, but Gritty himself. No wrongdoing. It was a witch hunt from the beginning. I was happy to hear our uh, our mascot won't be doing any time. Do you think he would have had to serve his time in the suit? Yes. Like everything is like we're investigating Gritty. It, like, it would sure Gritty, seems like it. Would Gritty have had to go to jail in the Gritty costume? They just hang the costume in a cell someplace. Like that, is that what it would be? Like the kid is the kid is fine. He didn't commit the crime. Gritty did. Well, once you put the costume on, it's like it, it takes yeah. it takes over your mind. Yeah. So really, it's like it, the mask. Wa- it wasn't even the kid's fault. It was just Gritty. It's like because the, mask, the essence of good. Gritty took him over. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, well, we had that was a fun story for a couple of weeks. I can't believe it went as far as it did. It was only like a, was it a couple weeks? I think was it was it like long? two weeks. It might have been two yeah. weeks. I, all I know is I bought a gritty Fight Club T-shirt and it hasn't even come in yet, and the whole thing's over. So you know what? That that'll have that'll have shelf life. Though. I think so. The, the, I, the joke. I mean, everything about gritty is inherently a joke. Yeah. So. That kind of inside joke will remain funny to I anyone who cares. I can't wait for uh, New Year's Eve before 2030, and we're talking about the weirdest shit that happened in the 2020s. It's like, oh, yeah, remember our mascot <laughs> was almost arrested for assault? Let me put it this way. I I would not be surprised if this is not the last time Gritty runs afoul of the law. Oh, yeah, decade. probably not. Probably not. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. We got a lot of news over the last couple of days in Flyers land. Let us first get to the impending returns of Carter Hart and Shane Gostaspare. It sounds like Ghost is going to be back Thursday, so let's go with that one first. How does this defense work out? Where does this go? And uh, Charlie, do you think is Ghost playing Thursday definitely? Well, you know, it, is, he's back. Well, so he's not officially back. Okay. Basically, he practiced in full today. He looked good. And we asked Elaine Vigneault, we asked Ghost, and Ghost said he feels good. We asked Elaine Vigneault, and Vigneault said that he still needs to be cleared, but signs are pointing to him either being cleared. He basically said he might be cleared by the time I get back after getting done talking to you guys. Yeah. I may go back to the trainers, and they're like, yeah, he's cleared. It was the old Chip Kelly. I don't know. I haven't talked to the doctors yet. There you go. Yeah. But. My guess is that if he's not, if he hasn't been cleared yet, and we just don't know, he'll probably be cleared tomorrow. What Vino wasn't willing to say is whether Ghost is actually going to play tomorrow, okay. even if he's cleared. And if I had to guess, I would say I think he will play, but I don't think it's a foregone, conclu- foregone conclusion um, because obviously the Flyers have been playing very well recently. They have, and coaches tend to be hesitant to make changes to their lineup when everybody's playing really well. Other than situations where a really good player is coming back. And the fact of the matter is, is that while Shane Gossespear has the ability to be a really good player, I don't think he has been anywhere near a really good player this season. So it's an interesting debate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what direction they go in. Do you think, and Kelly, I'm interested to get your take on this as well. Um, I've just been trying to go over, well, who comes out? And obviously everyone knows who we'd like to see come out and all that. But is this a situation where 7D might be the way to go? I wouldn't hate it, to be like, honest. Uh, I, In my opinion, it would ahead. be better than Myers coming out. That's the, It's either Haig or Myers coming out. And Presumably. I'd, yeah, and I'd rather Connor Bunneman come out of the lineup than either of them. So yeah. I, I think it's not the most difficult call in the world to go 7D. They've done it before. Uh, obviously, it's not ideal. It's not how you want it to go. You want an even number of uh, of trios and pairs. But I, 
I don't want Myers to come out of the lineup, but I just haven't seen anything special out of him lately. I don't think we're ever going to see anything special out of Haig. But I can't say, like, oh, yeah, take him out of the lineup right now. See, yeah, I actually—oh, sorry, sorry go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Myers, Myers himself may not be doing anything super flashy or impressive— and I know that Robert Haig has done a few things over the last couple of games that people have pointed to and been like, see, he's playing well. Um, but Myers Sanheim as a pair yeah. have been very good. So the idea of breaking that up to keep Robert Haig in the lineup just seems really silly to me. Yeah, that's that's more or less what I was going to say is that, you know, we complained a lot, maybe basically right after Braun got hurt. You know, they they. They had that Sanheim Myers pairing together, I believe, even before Braun got hurt. But after he got hurt, it just kind of bit, became a situation of, well, I guess they have to keep Sanheim Myers together because they don't really have a choice. Because you had Braun was out for that that little bit, Ghost was out, and you were just kind of stuck because you had you know you had Mark Friedman up, you had Robert Haig, neither of those guys are top four NHL defensemen, so you just kind of had to roll with it. And during that run at the beginning of January, the Sanheim Myers pairing was kind of a mess, particularly in its own zone. Over the last couple of weeks, I've liked it. I've liked it a lot. I thought it they I think they're they're starting to carry over that chemistry they had in the AHL. They're starting to carry that over to the NHL level, which has been great to see. I asked Vino about it today. He had a lot of praise for them. So I don't get the impression that he necessarily wants to break that group up. And if you're not breaking that group up and you're obviously not breaking up the the Sandheim uh the the Niskanen pairing that leaves you with that third pair of Hagen Braun and I I can't imagine you take Braun out of the lineup because of what he does in the PK so then to me it it really boils down to whether you want Ghost in the lineup or you want Hagen in the lineup and I'm like I'm sympathetic to the argument that Hague has played well enough to stay in his underlying numbers have stunk but he has made some plays, and the Flyers haven't gotten killed with him on the ice from a goal standpoint. It's it's just that I would be more open to the idea if what you were going to do is you were going to move Braun back up with Sanheim, and then that left you with Haig, Myers, and Ghost as your, your trio down at the bottom of the lineup. Because then I'd be like, okay, you know, I don't know, maybe you pull Myers out, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to keep the, that four together. And if you're going to keep that top four together, then that leaves you with Haig and Braun. Two guys who can't move the puck. Two guys who are getting utterly crushed from a shot and chance differential standpoint right now. And yeah, they're not getting killed by goals. But to me, this is a situation of like, and are you a, do you, do you play blackjack? Like, do you have like a good blackjack analogy here? No. But to me, this is like a situation where you're on like, you're in a, and I, I don't know the odds and the, the math well enough to know, but like you're in a situation where it's like 60 40, I shouldn't hit on this, you know, on, on this particular set of cards with what the dealer is showing. And you're like, you know what? I'm feeling it. I'm going to hit on it. And you hit and you get to like 19. And at that point, you know, you, you maybe didn't do what, what the, the numbers told you you should do. It worked against all the odds. You're not going to then respond to that and say, all right, hit me again. Like it's just like you've already gotten you've already gotten lucky. You put you put Haig and Braun together, a pairing that on paper shouldn't work because neither of the guys can move the puck. It really didn't work because they got crushed from a shot and chance differential, but you lucked out. The, you the got goal the, numbers are hilarious yeah, you got, when you look at you, it. You got the goals. You you didn't get killed from a goal goal differential standpoint. And the fact of the matter is is that this is a game where wins and losses are measured by goals, so that matters. Like 
take your winnings and leave. Don't push your luck and keep that pairing out of the ice because eventually the fact that they're giving up six shots to every four that get created when they're on the ice, eventually that's going to catch up with them. So rather than wait for it to catch up with them and then put Ghost in, why don't we get in front of the problem and, and break up that pairing before disaster strikes? That's my view. Here's here's where uh, uh, listen. If I just if you were to line up Robert Hague and Shane Gostisbehere and ask me who I want in the lineup, the answer is Shane Gostisbehere. However, uh, is there something to yeah? They're giving up these shots, but the goals aren't going in, and these guys are supposedly good stay-at-home defensemen. Would Shane Gostisbehere alter that? Like, would they be doing better by every other metric if Ghost comes in for Haig, or would they be doing just as bad, but more goals would be going in because he's not very good in the defensive zone? Like, that's what that's. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do think there's something to it. How about you, Kelly? I mean, I guess. I Look, don't know. It's just, it boils down to the fact that we have enough. Robert Hay games under our belts to know exactly what he is. And does he sometimes do better than what he actually is? Sure. Lots of players do that, but we also know what Shane Gosses bear can be. And the idea that he could at any point turn that back on is enough for me to say that he's better than having a mediocre seven in the lineup. Yeah. It's crazy. Tempting Shane Gosses bears potential, but he just hasn't been that. In a year and a half. Like, that's what I'm trying to, like, balance out my own prejudices versus what actually is. What actually is, is this team is playing really, really well. Like, I wanted to get into uh, Carter Hart's return, but just looking, I want to ask, like, how good has Brian Elliott been in Hart's absence? Elliott's been damn good, but... He made 35 saves combined in his two shutouts. Like, in his last three starts, has faced 55 shots, no more than 20 in any game. The defense overall is freaking dominant right now. I don't know if I'm ready to break it up for hoping Shane Gossespierre turns into what he was the first three years of his career. Yeah, I guess my issue with that is just that, like, the fact that Haig and Braun haven't given up goals is a fluke. Like... I, mm-hmm. I, had, I had an argument with a lot of people online over the last couple of days because I said they've had an on-ice save percentage of literally 97.8. There's no way that's going to keep up. And the thing I heard was, well, they're really good defensively. Doesn't that mean that their save percentage is going to be higher? And the answer is yes, probably, but not to that degree. Yeah, if it's 97.8, that would make them the best defenseman yeah, in the league. Like, and I, we can all say they're not, right? I, I literally looked it up today. Over the last 10 seasons, there have been something like 1,500 pairings over the course of a year that have gotten over 200 minutes together at 5-on-5. Five five, and 1% of them have had an on-ice save percentage over that time, over 97. Only two of them have had an on-ice save percentage higher than what Braun and Haig have currently. So, like, unless you think they are literally the end-all, be-all of defensive pairings ever, they're not going to keep this up. And in my mind, like, if you want to make sure the defense continues to look good, your best move isn't to just say, well, keep those guys out there and they'll keep doing what they're doing because they're not going to keep doing what they're doing. Goals will start going in against them if you keep them out there, which is why I'm I'm open to you know making a switch there. That said, and this is one of the the issues, as you kind of hinted at, like Ghost hasn't played that well this year. And if you keep the top four together, Ghost is going to probably slide in next to Braun. That pairing hasn't really worked this year. We were hoping it was going to. It really hasn't. Like to my mind, it, the 
the optimal pairings with everybody, like the six best defensemen on this team, it's probably Provorov, Niskanen, Sanheim, Braun, and Ghost Myers. But I think they like the Sanheim Myers pairing so much recently, understandably, they're not going to break that up. So, like, is Ghost Braun that much better than Haig Braun? I think it's probably a bit better. It should be better, but it hasn't really clicked this year. So I, I understand the counter argument for keeping for keeping Haig Braun together. I just think you're, as I said, going back to the blackjack analogy, I think you're you're hitting on 19 here. Like you're just just take your winnings. You got lucky with them getting crushed on the on you know by the stat sheet, not getting crushed on the goal standpoint. Just you know, leave the table, pick up your chips and cash out, and then go back to what should be on paper your six most talented defensemen. Carter Hart uh, appears, uh, it sounds like he's day-to-day, hasn't exactly got the all clear yet, but he could be back in the lineup maybe Saturday. I heard, I know he's not uh, making the trip on... Well, they're playing at home. They're at home. Yeah, on Thursday. And then they Who play. Who isn't going the, so? That could have been something else I like read entirely. Never mind. So he's, he's not going to be in the lineup on Thursday. He could be uh, in the lineup on Saturday. Do they... Man, I missed him. I, I really, I really want this guy back because a lot like, like Brian Elliott's been great, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Kelly's going to want to talk about how good Brian Elliott has been. But <laughs> man, the uh, like I just said with the defense numbers, they, he hasn't faced more than 20 shots in a game in his last three. Uh, I don't know if they can sustain this, and I don't know if I want him carrying this kind of workload. I'm happy with what he's done, but I think they badly uh, need Hart back. I think the question in my mind with Hart is that, like, I don't love the idea of bringing him back in to face the Caps, but at the same time, looking at the stretch of games they have coming up, like, if there's a game I want him to knock the rust off, it's probably the Caps, because I know, like, we want to win every game, but I'd rather them lose to Washington than lose to any of the teams they're playing the next two weeks, which are pretty much every single team they're battling against for a playoff spot. Like, yeah, you want them to be watching. You want them to win every game. You want them to win divisional games. But they're not jumping the caps in the standings. No, the caps are winning the division. That's what's happening. (laughs) At the the worst, they're going to finish second. Finish second, yeah. If they fall apart, they'll finish second. Like, the Flyers are not jumping the Capitals, whereas if you throw Harden for his first game back in, how long has he been out for? A month? About a month. About a month? About three. Oh, has it been that long? Three weeks. Well, I'm just I'm three thinking weeks, like yeah. with the, the buy. How does that play oh, out? Okay, yeah. So yeah, maybe a little bit longer than three weeks. If you throw him in for his first game in three weeks against the Islanders or against the Blue Jackets, you know, or against the Panthers, and he isn't at you know peak heart powers because he's rusty, then that's a game that really hurts you. So if getting him back in on Saturday is the big move, then I like it. That said, as as you said, you know, Elliot's been good, so. I just think they're playing it really safe with Carter Hart, and I like it. Yeah, I'm totally I, fine with them playing should, it safe with As them. he is the future of the franchise, as much as we, yeah, everyone loves TK, all the young guys, even Provorov, the goalie is the thing that's been that missing piece for however long. It, it, it's a singular position. You have to put someone else in entirely. It's not like you can mask it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, here's Brian Elliott. Uh, he's 34. Let's see if we can face less than 20 shots. It's just a totally different animal when your backup goalie is in there. Uh, I, I like the fact that they're playing it safe with Hart, and I like the fact that Hart played it safe. There was an article today that said maybe, was it yours, Charlie? Maybe last year he wouldn't have been 
as uh, like as oh yeah, my ankle it hurts. I'm gonna come I, out. I think like, that was I think that was Dave. It might have been Isaac. Well, because because yeah. we kind of pushed on that with Hart today, and he didn't really give much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you remember with Hart last year, you know he had that ankle. He played inj- with that ankle. Well, he had yeah. that ankle injury. Suffered I think in in warmups against Montreal. Then he got pulled in the first period. Then he practiced the day before the stadium series game found out he wasn't starting, did the full outdoor practice. And then after practice told Gordon and the coaching staff that, Oh, by the way, I've been dealing with this ankle injury. And then there were all those conspiracy theories that came out, you know, is that why they're not starting hard for the outdoor game? Or, you know, it was just, it was a mess, but in reality, it was just that the kid was playing hurt and wanted to play. I think really what it boiled down to truthfully was that, he wanted to play in the stadium series game. Yeah. So he pushed through the injury. And then when he found that he wasn't going to play anyway, it was like, well, I might as well come clean. I didn't get the start anyway. Yeah. So it's good that he played it safe with this, uh, yeah. this abdominal strain and everything. Uh, hopefully he's good to go when he comes back. And do we have uh, durability concerns with Carter Hart? No. That was a thing on Twitter, wasn't it? Was it was a thing on Twitter. I, and I it just was thought of it right now. To, I just thought of it right now to annoy you two, but. It worked. Is it <laughs> is is it a concern for either of you? Not really. Okay. I I mean, you know, yeah, he's gotten hurt twice. It's not like any either of them have been super serious injuries. He hasn't really missed that many games and he and never got hurt in juniors. So Yeah. No, I'm not, second, not terribly concerned. It's his second season in the league. He could theoretically go another fifteen years without getting hurt again. Oh, like, I I know. I know. Everyone I needs just... to slow down. <laughs> I, was that a thing like today? No, there's okay. a thing like last week. It was a thing last week because when when he didn't come back in the minimum amount of games, people started losing their minds. And then even today, I did see some people beginning to lose their minds again. When in reality, he practiced in full and like he probably could play tomorrow. If if it all if it was a playoff That's what game, it sounded like. he probably could play. But at this point, why? You're against the Devils, who you probably could beat anyway. Brian Elliott's playing very well. You're at home. Why not give him the extra couple days to be 100% sure he's good to go? Why not? Why not put Lion in? It's the Devils. Give the kid a... Let's not go that far. <laughs> I, I like Alex Lyon. I praise him in my hot take. Give the but, kid the Devils game, for Christ's sake. I mean, sake. Brian Elliott, what, what is this? He has a, a 935 save percentage in his last five starts. Yeah, let, let's let's roll with Moose. He's, he's got it going right now. Let's he, hit on 20. Throw Brian Elliott back out again. I mean, Brian Elliott, I'm, I'm Brian Elliott is a better true talent oh, goalie almost certainly than Alex without Lyon. Without a doubt. Without so a doubt. play the better true talent goalie. All right, we are going to move on now to the Nolan Patrick update, non-update we got today. A lot was made about him practicing with the team uh, in a contact. Oh, no, wait, no, it's a non- No, it is a non-con- No, it's a contact jersey. Turns out the coach, uh, and it's great. Everyone's happy Nolan Patrick's out on the ice. It's cool that he's still with the team, that he's able to do things like he was able to do today. But here is a quote from Jordan Hall's story from Elaine Vigneault. As far as I know, there are no medical updates. My understanding, today I decided to make this a skill day, and when Nolan found out that it was going to be skill, he wanted to go out and skate with the guys. That's the extent of what happened today. It created a little buzz, though, eh? Then when pressed further, so Patrick has not been cleared for contact, I could not tell you, Vigneault said. All I know is I came in this morning. I decided we're going to skate Thursday morning, so we're going to do a skill day on the ice today. He found that out and decided uh, to go and skate with the guys. That's it. That's Seems the nice. That's the real Nolan Patrick update. I would like to be as excited as everybody else. Uh, maybe this does mean he's closer because he was good to go skate. I don't know. Um, but 
really it's it's a non-contact day. They're just doing stick and puck stuff. So yeah, he could go out. So there. so Charlie, just a question for you. Um, we know that Nolan Patrick has skated by himself or with other injured guys since he's been out. Is what he did today really any different than what he's been doing by himself? It was just on the ice with the rest of the team. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough to say completely because my view is that even when he's been out there doing skill stuff, he hasn't like there's a, there, there's a certain degree of intensity that comes out when you're on the ice with other players, even mm-hmm. if you're not hitting and battling the corners and fighting for loose pucks and stuff like that. When I've seen him out there doing skills, he'd just kind of be lightly skating and, you know, take some shots here and there and talk to Angelo Ricci for a little bit. But it, it didn't really like it didn't really seem like a practice. This did seem like a practice. And I know it wasn't in the sense they weren't running lines. There was no contact. But this did, to me, feel like a good sign. It, it felt like a good sign because he felt comfortable enough to go to his coach this morning and say, I want to go out there and skate with the whole team. And that, to me, like if he was still feeling like crap all the time, I don't think he would do that. I, I don't think he would. You got to know. Like, yeah. The players on some level understand that it's a skill day. It's not contact. If you start seeing a guy practice with you even occasionally, you start to think in your head he's getting closer. It's not just the perception it creates with the fan base and with the media. It's the perception it creates for your teammates. And it sends a message to them that, hey, I'm 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 giving this a I'm giving this a go. I'm pushing to get back. They know he's pushing at some level they talk to him they know him you know off the ice but to see him on the ice for a full practice to be joking around with everybody you know laughing with Ivan Provorov talking to Robert Haig you know racing when they when they were doing laps around the ice he was racing with Travis Konechny like that's the kind of thing that as a teammate TK one okay (laughs) (laughs) but those are the kind of things that as as a teammate of Nolan Patrick you look at that and you say he might be getting closer and I I don't think that aspect of it should just be brushed aside yeah I'm, I'm happy for him I'm trying to stay optimistic about the whole situation I just when I read the details today I was like oh so this isn't yeah. go ahead Kelly no I was just gonna say I'm, I'm agreeing with you like it people immediately were like penciling him into the lineup for like Saturday yeah and it's like okay everybody needs to slow down because I mean honestly I know they said that we're going to see him this season, but like the the longer it goes, the less likely it becomes just because it's been so long since he played. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Everyone yeah. needs to chill. Well, I mean everybody it, it, it's it's actually kind of funny with Nolan Patrick because considering <laughs> and like I don't I don't have a problem with it because I want I want to root for the kid. But like Considering how little he's done in his NHL career, it's honestly amazing to me how many people absolutely love him. Right. Like, I want him to be good. I really do. I am shocked at the size of his fan base. And I guess it's partially just because he was a second overall pick. Yeah, dropped in our lap. Dropped in our lap. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's what he signifies. He was like one of the few truly fun things about being a Flyers fan for like a month and a half long period during a particularly 
dismal period of being a Flyers fan. But there's a lot of people that are like even beyond the idea of, hey, getting this guy back is neat because it could fill the, the, the biggest hole on this team right now. And, you know, he's a former second overall pick and it'd be cool to see what he turns into and maybe he can be an impact player. The love for him is far beyond that. And that's fascinating to me. I don't fully understand it, but I think that's a big reason why so many people on social media were immediately jumping into this. Like, well, I'll be back on Saturday. This is great. You know, he's, he's practicing with the team because there's just a lot of people that really, really, really are rooting for this kid, even beyond just he, he will help the team. Yeah, and, and good for him. Like, he has that support of the fan base. Yeah. This is that we are a city of people who have turned on plenty of good guys before, so it's nice. But yeah, he's got 61 points through two NHL seasons. I don't know how much of an impact he'll be after missing all this time this year. I do know he's probably better than Connor Bunneman. But yeah, like, I, mean, I would think so. <laughs> no, so like, no disrespect to Connor, but yes, no, I yeah, think yeah. So. <laughs> he's been Butterman has been he's been fine lately. Uh, to, good, you know, he's out there. He's got a jersey and everything. I'm I'm, I'm happy for him, but I think he does. Uh, like he could be an upgrade. I don't know how big, but seeing what they're running out at center right now, and we'll get into Drew after the ad break. But um, uh, I, man, it would be nice. I know he's doing some things well. I just want to see Drew put up points. But we'll talk about that on the other side. Right now, we are going to break for an ad and be back in just a second. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about this next upcoming stretch as well as uh, some guys who've been performing or underperforming lately. Let's get into these uh, next eight games first, though. So Devils at Caps. Panthers at Isles, at Panthers, at Tampa, Blue Jackets at Blue Jackets. That's it right there, right? These next eight games are going to determine whether or not they make the playoffs. Yep. I'm sure it'll be close, but they need to win most of these games. To me, it's that stretch of six. Like, I, I know we're lumping in these two games because, well, they should be the Devils. From the Panthers up until yeah, the second it, Blue Jackets. It's that Pan yeah, Panthers game through the second. The only game out of that six this, that uh, out of that six game stretch that you're like, well, if they lose, it's not the end of the world, is the Tampa game. It's a, a game on the road against probably the most talented team in hockey. I'm not going into that game expecting they're going to win. But, yeah, the Panthers... Two games against the Panthers, who were a team in the, in the playoff race. One game against the Isles, who were a team that the Flyers are, are catching, Yeah. by the I, way. After that streak, <laughs> it was like, all right, well, the Isles are just kind of, yeah. they've cooled. Yeah, they've they've definitely cooled. And then two games against the Blue Jackets, who, you know, it would not shock me at all if it came down to one of the Flyers or Blue Jackets. That's the team, you to me, you have to knock out. Yeah. Like, those are four points right there yeah. and none for them. You have to defeat them in regulation twice in back-to-back -back games. Uh, I, I just... All this leads up, then they have one more against Winnipeg, and then they have the trade deadline. I believe Monday the 24th is the trade deadline. Correct. So this is the most important stretch of the year. Uh, Kelly, you, you point, pointed that out in the outline. But I liked what I read in Dave Isaac's piece today, that the players recently had a players-only meeting. Just uh, everything's going well. Everything uh, seems to be, you know, there aren't, like, leadership questions. They're winning games. Everything's cool. But I like that maybe some of the veterans told the young guys, we haven't done shit yet. You know how we just played? We have to continue to play like this to meet our goal of making the postseason. What did you guys make of them having a players-only meeting? I thought it was interesting because I can't remember a time that I've heard about a players only meeting when things are going well. It's usually like when things have absolutely hit the fan 
that they have a player's only meaning, but Charlie would probably know better than anybody. I don't know if this is a thing that they do more regularly than we know about, and we only hear about them when they're super angry players-only meetings after games. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting, and it, it kind of, I don't know, I like it. I, I like that they're getting together and getting their heads in the game, uh, so to say. Yeah, I think it's mostly at the prerogative of the leadership group. So Giroux mm-hmm. and you know Voracek and Gaturier, guys like that, Niskin and Hayes. Um, it was interesting because like I I, I want to ask the, some of the players tomorrow about it because this was something that none of the players brought up, and then. Vino, who talks after the players, just like brought it up out of nowhere. Like, yeah, they had a players only meeting, you know, we're coming back from the break and they talked about this. Like, oh, that's cool. Thanks. Thanks, Elaine. They all went after the fucking, <laughs> they all went after the fucking bar together and told the coach we're having a players only yeah, right. meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like you, Kelly, I don't remember of hearing something like that. I always like, you know, they've they've sucked. They've lost 10 straight. And Jake Voracek says no media until we have a players yeah, only yeah. meeting. Sure. I've heard of that happening. Just every little thing I see that's different from years past makes me happy about this team. Just mm-hmm. every time I see something that I hadn't heard of, I hadn't seen before over the last few years, it makes me think, okay, cool. This team is coming into its own. This is just another one of those things for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny too, about the way that this just the way hockey is, you know, like we can talk about, we can talk about, you know, the team having a different mindset and and the team, you know, you know, they're, they're tight knit and all this other crap. There's just, there honestly is just an element of, it does feel like this season things are just, you know, at least on the ice, certainly not off the ice, but at least on the ice, it does seem like things are breaking their way more often than they did before. Like I was talking to a player today um, and he basically says on the extent of like that avalanche game. Okay. We played like shit in the first period. Last year, we would have been down 4 nothing, And he's like, it wasn't, there was no difference between how we played in that first period and how we played in a bunch of the first periods last year that saw us get the, the doors blown off by the 10-minute mark. It was just that the Avs didn't score, and we were still in the game, we got the goal, and then it was like, hey, we can win this stupid game. And that's not because the mindset was dramatically different. It's because the Avs just didn't finish, and Alex freaking Lyon stopped a bunch of pucks that you wouldn't expect Alex Lyon to stop, considering his spot on the depth chart like hockey is just such a it it is really a game of bounces in a lot of ways like yes talent plays a role yes coaching plays a role yes systems play a role but sometimes you've just got it going and sometimes you don't and it does feel like right now the flyers have it going and that's great it's just it's just funny to me because there isn't at least from a talent standpoint, I don't think there's dramatic differences between, you know, maybe where they were this year and where they were last year. Things are just going their way, and it's it's been a fun ride, but I don't think... I, I don't want to perpetuate the narrative that, like, man, this team is just so much different than they were last year. I just think things are working out for them that, this And year. I think that it didn't need to be so much different because we saw, like, oh, yeah, just bring in a Kevin Hayes, bring in a Matt yeah. Niskanen. That's enough talent to, like... 
okay, now we are a playoff caliber team and we just need a couple of bounces and they haven't like the mental approach just seems much better not letting bad things snowball and not letting uh, everything get out of control like that first period did they play well no did it snowball and get out of control it didn't is that some luck it is it's also your mindset and then deciding we can win it from here so I will give them credit on that uh, let's talk about Claude Giroux now because 12 straight without a goal, only five assists in that stretch. Uh, he's not putting up points. I keep getting people telling me in post games that he's invisible, and I'm like, no, I'm not seeing that at all. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm with you on that. Bro. I think he's making plays. Uh, like when I see him go into a corner, hit a guy, steal the puck, and then center it to a wide open JVR in the slot, and the puck just doesn't go in. Well, uh, he made a play. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. There was nothing else from his end that like that's a that's him trying to create a goal. Just didn't go in the net. So I don't know. Uh, the twelve straight without a goal, missing the net as much as he does, that is a thing. But is anyone like worried about Giroux's production? Because I'm getting people in the post games who are. I mean, no. I mean, I know why people are because he scored a hundred points a couple seasons ago. Um, but yeah, I'm not at all. Like you said, he's not playing poorly. He's just not scoring. Yeah. I would be more worried and this is going to come off as very advanced daddy, but I would be more worried if his advanced metrics weren't as good as they are. They're great. Like the flyers are controlling play with him on the ice. And it's not even just that they're controlling play. They're outscoring the other team too. Like with, with, with drew on the ice at even strength this year, I believe they've outscored the other team 35 to 25. That's really good. good. Like it's good. Re- that, that's really good. It's not yeah. like superstar good, but it's really good. You're dramatically contributing to your team outplaying the other team on the scoreboard, which is the goal. He just, for whatever reason, isn't getting as many points and, you know, part of that maybe is that he's slowing down a bit. Part of that maybe is that, you know, possibly he's banged up a little bit. I don't have any inside information about that, but like it wouldn't shock me. He plays through injuries all the time. He, and just he could be. But seeing how he was treating face offs on uh, on Saturday, I was like, huh, I wonder if there is something. I don't think it's like an excuse. I don't think it's something that, you know, would take most guys in the NHL out of the lineup. A lot of guys play through stuff in, in hockey. Uh, he does it constantly we never know if he's hurt the only indication we ever get is his numbers are down that's the like that's what I'm looking at trying to put it all together but I I think it was in your piece Charlie again you kind of wrote about how he's in a support role with JVR and TK and I found that interesting because you would think oh he's with two offense guys they're just gonna go 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 well, yeah, except that's not how you, like, win. win. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I thought that was interesting that he's going to have to play some defense. We've both – we've all praised uh, TK kind of coming into his own as a more of a two-way player. I've said a bunch of times, JVR, I've liked his game on his side of the red line more than ever this year. Yeah. But those guys aren't, like – good defensive players. No, they just don't think that way. Yeah. Like I, I, I put I don't a want them to. I put a clip in my, my observations article this week. It was like a 30-second clip, and there were, I think, four times over that 30-second span where Drew was very clearly the third guy on the line. And that was a choice by him to basically be, all right, 
you know, JVR, all right, TK, you guys are the ones down low. I'm going to be the guy that makes sure you guys continue to be able to do those things down low by being the third man high. So when Phil Myers pinches, I keep the puck into the blue line and then send it back down to you guys. I'll be the guy who, when the rebound bounces out to the low, to you know, to the, the faceoff circle, I'll get the puck and then I'll get it right back down to you guys and circle back up just in case there's a disaster. I'll be the guy when it looks like we're trapped with three men be behind the puck. I'll be the guy that breaks up the play in the neutral zone i think there's an element this year and in a way like i think it's primarily driven by vino but i think it's also pretty admirable on the part of Giroux that Giroux is not being used as the showcase player anymore like yeah. let's let's look at it this way what what would be the best things for Claude Giroux, if, if your goal was not, let's have the Flyers win as many games as possible. If your goal was, how do we put Claude Giroux in the best situations to succeed as Claude Giroux, how would you do it? You'd play him at wing. You'd play him with Sean Gauthier. You'd put him on the left side of the power play and stack that top power play unit and have them play a minute, 20 seconds of every power play like they used to in years past. What are they actually doing? Well, he's playing center. He hasn't spent much time with Couturier, and he's bounced around the power play partially because of their strategic whatever they're doing, but partially because from the start of the year, Vigneault has wanted to have two useful power play units. So he hasn't been stacking the top unit as much as in years past because he wants he's always wanted to have those, you know, power play one, power play two. He hasn't wanted to just be the one unit, and once they're done, there's no chance. So in a lot of ways, they're not putting Giroux in a position, and they've cut his minutes. I think he's down like a minute and a half from, from where he was last year per game. They're not putting him in situations where he's necessarily going to, it's going to be as easy as it could be for him to rack up points. And Giroux is at the stage of his career where, you know what? He's had the 100-point season. That's, he's, he's done had, all that. He's mm -hmm. had, now he wants to freaking win a cup. And I think that's part of the reason why he's just like, look, if it's for the good of the team, I'll do whatever I got to do. I want to fucking win. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I think it was Jordan Hall like uh, last week or something wrote an article kind of to that effect that the fact of the matter is the team around Giroux is finally getting like remarkably better. And as a result, we don't need Claude Giroux to score all of the goals to win games. So as you said, he's able to take a step back and do some other things. And also it might be a good thing because given that he's not the guy that has to do everything in order for the Flyers to succeed. If we do get into the playoffs, perhaps he's got a little bit more jump and he's not so tired because he's a bit on the older side. So it's kind of, there's a lot of positive, I think, to be found in the way Quadro is playing this season. And just something, again, I noticed on Saturday, uh, at least two times, and one of them was after like a TV timeout. The Flyers got a stoppage. They got an offensive zone faceoff. Giroux, TK, and JVR are out on the ice and then Braun and Haig. Now I get you want to shelter those two with offensive zone faceoffs. You don't want them out there against the kind of uh, competition that Sean Couturier is out there against. And Kevin Hayes takes on a lot of that secondary shutdown line responsibility, but you're playing three on five in the offensive zone. That's if fair. you have those two out there, I, 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 I like those two have been fine as a pair lately, but it, they're not exactly offensive juggernauts. So it's just another piece of just a little something I noticed. Like 
that puts credence on the idea that Drew's more in a support role this year, and maybe it is helping the team. Like they're winning games. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say that he's in a support yeah, role, it's, but it's just he's not. He's not being not the featured he's, guy. He's not yeah. the feature guy. That's that's a good word yeah. to use because there were years like going back to let's go back to 2017-18, the last the last time the Flyers in the playoffs. That was a year where, and I, and I don't think he was wrong, but Dave Haxtell basically came to the conclusion that I have five guys who are really freaking good. Yeah, I have. Claude Giroux, Sean Gattieri, Jake Voracek, Ivan Provorov, and um, and uh, and Shane Gossespear. And I'm just going to use them as much as I can because everyone else on this team isn't that good. And he was right. And that was what should have been done. But because of that, he was throwing Giroux out there you know, for every offensive zone draw and stacking the power play. It was play. the only way to yeah, score. It was the only way they could win. Now they don't have to because they have complementary talents. They have Travis Konechny who's turned himself into a borderline star. They have Kevin Hayes who can center a good line. Like They have other guys that can get it done. So now, like looking at the, the time on ice, last year Giroux averaged 21 um 21 minutes, 27 seconds per game. This year he's down to 19 minutes, 15 seconds per game, which is his fewest minutes. So he had, he averaged 19 minutes, seven seconds in 2016, 17. That was the year where he wasn't fully healthy because of the surgery that this is the second least amount minutes per game. He's had in a season since they started recording minutes per game on Yahoo Sports, which was in 2012-13. So it only goes back about seven years, eight years, something like that. But anyway, he's getting fewer minutes. And as I said, the power play isn't... The power play is no longer tailored for Claude Giroux in the way it used to be. And now he's playing center, which he's flat out admitted in the past that he's, he's better at wing. And he's not with Sean Couturier, who makes literally everyone who plays with him incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's that's the other like Couturier's freaking awesome. He's and incredible. It's it's great that we have this. It's this is what we always wanted. Claude Giroux never had any help. It was just him. If him and Jake didn't combine for three points and hope <laughs> Matt Reed somehow beat the goalie, like they were gonna lose. Now if they don't need that. It's pretty pretty cool. It, it would be it would be nice if Giroux was scoring a little bit more. It would be. it would be, and and I think he's going to. Like I do think this is more of a slump that's being driven by some bad luck and just him getting a little frustrated with himself. I think he's going to score more. I don't think he's going to explode for, you know, 30 points in 15 games or anything. Con Smythe, baby. <laughs> well, just maybe wait. in the playoffs. He's going to go on a Briere run in the playoffs. He's just saving it like Hartnell and Briere did in 2010. Hey-o. He's just saving it. All right, so let's look at uh, somebody who is doing uh, quite a bit of the light lamp. <laughs> Lamp lighting, that's what I'm trying to there say. There we go. Yeah. Quite a bit of that lamp lighting lately. Uh, Joel Farabee, four goals, two assists in his last six. Man, he's looking good now that he's up there with some players, huh? Indeed. And this, this kind of goes back to the, the, Drew, you know, the Drew debate, is that you know because we're not forcing Giroux to play with Couture because we have to only depend upon the top line to do everything, now... You've got a guy like Sean Gattieri who makes everyone that plays with him better. Rather than trying to turn that into a super duo, you can say, well, you know, we got this young kid, Joel Farabee, who isn't everything he's going to be yet, but he's got clear skill. He's got some clear positives to his game. How do we get the most out of him? Why don't we put him in line with Sean Gattieri? 
Oh, what do you know? Yeah, it's, he looks awesome. It's one of those Fixes things. Everything. It's one of those things that looks so obvious, but a team that didn't have depth for so long just couldn't do. Like you had to put your best players together because yeah. if you didn't, it was going to be one okay player on each line, yes. and that was it. Yeah, and now then, every, then everybody stuck. Yeah, now <laughs> you get to yeah, now you get to stagger it a little bit. And Faraby has uh, has answered the challenge uh, since being moved up. You know, you can trust him in those minutes. Like those first two goals he had with. Uh, uh, with Couturier, just awesome. A couple of awesome plays by Couturier just to get get him the puck, get him where it needed to be, and Farabee can finish. We know that. That's what he's, you know, that's his skill. That's what he's here to do is finish at the end of the day. He's doing it. It's real exciting. I'm glad we find, like, I just hope he can keep up a pretty good pace and warrant the first line minutes. If for no other reason, then we just need one of these rookies to have an awesome rookie season. Like, it would be nice, wouldn't it? We, you know, we, as I said, we've always said that, but then we go back to we did get that in Shane Goss's bear. It's just that was forever ago. It was not that long ago. It was it, like four years ago. Okay, in Hackstall years, that's a century <laughs> and a half. <laughs> Fuck. Oh man, like not every team can be the uh, can be the Colorado Avalanche. Where, Why like, not? Every single one of their young players becomes a superstar. I was having a conversation I just, with. I'm just asking for one guy to be pretty good as rookie. Well, year. I was I was having a conversation with the uh, the athletic writer uh, uh, Ryan from um, from Colorado when he was in town, and he was talking about Tyson Jost, and he was talking about how like you know, well, it's it's kind of weird because he was part of the second wave and he hasn't become a superstar yet. And I and we had this conversation. And I just kind of yeah. after the conversation, I took a step back and I'm like. You know, did you ever think you guys might be spoiled a little bit that like you've watched every single one of your prospects become bona fide stars and Tyson Jose is just taking like a normal developmental path and just like, what do we do? He's not Kel McCarr or Mika Rantanen yet. What's going on? What's wrong with Tyson Jose? Like maybe there's nothing wrong. Maybe he's just normal. We get get a number two overall dumped in our laps and I'm just like, maybe he can be the three C. And that's not like I'm not even trying to disparage Patrick at this point. It's just freaking frustrating. But it's just funny because like some teams that happens. And I don't think it's because the Avs are this amazing developmental team. Like, no, Nathan McKinnon showed up and was awesome. Then he went down a little bit before recovering and becoming even more awesome. But his first year, he was awesome. Cal McCarr is already awesome. Mika Rannan, I think by year two was awesome. Like that's not normal. Most guys, it takes some time. And, you know, with somebody like Farabee, I think it's going to take some time. But I think he's going to be good. But while he's not that guy yet, you can put him with a guy like Couturier and have Couturier carry the load and put somebody like Joel Farabee in favorable situations. And then Joel Farabee can look good for weeks at a time. So the trade deadline, as we said earlier, Monday, February 24th. And I don't... Do you get the impression that they're going to make a move? Does anyone get no. that impression, Kelly? No, I don't think so. I think they're going to do something. Ooh. I just well, but like when I say something, I mean they could trade a fifth round pick away for a, a fourth liner. Like I, I, I don't think yeah. they're going to do nothing because I just don't, I don't see that. Like you know, we we talked about Connor Bunneman at the start of the show. Like Connor Bunneman isn't a fourth line center on a playoff team. I'm sorry. I like him as a prospect. I think he could be, maybe, at some point down the road. 
you're not going to roll into the playoffs with Connor Bunham as as one of your 12 every night forwards. You're just not. So if if you come to the conclusion that it's not a certainty that Nolan Patrick is going to be ready to come back this year, you're probably going to give away a, a later pick or a mid-round pick for a useful bottom sixer. That might be all they do. So- I I think they'll be in the mix for guys like Pajot has always intrigued me, but I don't think, I mean, I don't know what Fletcher do. I wouldn't give up a first round pick for Pajot. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's worth the first round pick. And if that's the going price, I would advise Chuck Fletcher to stay far away, but I think he'll be in the mix for guys like that. I just, in the end, they, the roster's pretty good. And I don't know if I think they're at the point where I don't think they're at the point as a team that you want to be like, selling the farm yeah i can't imagine they're gonna go like a first round pick for a rental no matter how yeah. good that rental and then is. there's the cap issues that complicate yeah. things further so it just puts them in a tough spot but I, I think they'll do something i'm just not expecting it to be something that makes everybody go holy shit the flyers are all in so like you really don't think that if the flyers get into the playoffs and they don't want connor bunneman as one of their centers in the playoffs for good reason like you don't think that maybe Morgan Frost might like it might be okay to play Morgan Frost fourth line minutes in the playoffs like I don't understand why that's not a thing. oh I think it's I think Morgan, crazy. I think Morgan Frost will be up before the end of the season I just okay. I just think that like you've spent this entire and then guys get hurt like yeah. guys yeah. get hurt in the playoffs it's the playoffs everybody gets hurt I just think that they're I think they're going to trade for somebody at the bottom six they have the cast space to do it why the hell not like, why not? You've been, how many games has Mikel Varobi have played this year? Like, shit, you, you, like, <laughs> shit, you could, you could use a decent bottom sixer who is useful, whose name is not Chris Stewart. And that's uh, trying to, I, I just, man, I, I feel like we haven't talked about Chris Stewart in a long time. <laughs> like, it seems like that whole thing, that, that's finally, that's finally over with. Like, he's not going to play. Like, and that's, that's, well, yeah, they haven't brought him back yet. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. He got sent down. I <laughs> forgot about with that entirely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, trying to get creative and think about what they are not going to give up and all that. Like I came up with Josh Anderson, Andre Kacha, uh, Andreas Anthonaseo's name I've seen out there quite a bit. Yeah. I, I that don't, would just I, be. I don't think the Flyers would be in on that. That would just be fun for me because we'd have happy to see you. But uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like. You know, last year uh, it was I think it was Kale McCarr just kind of joins Colorado out of college and boom, cool. Could Wade Allison do that for the playoffs? Yeah, I kind of want to rant about this because I saw I think it was like Uh some well, some commentator. It was literally like a commentator for the other team mentioned it on a broadcast and somebody tweeted it and then everybody lost their minds like no. And here's why. Because a month ago, people were like, Wade Allison's a bust. And now he goes on like a six-game run of his first extended good play since he tore his ACL two years ago. And it's like, could Wade Allison play in the playoffs? I don't know if he's even good enough to be an NHLer. Like, Kale McCarr was one of the top three prospects in all of hockey when he came up into the and, and was an impact player in the postseason last season. Wade Allison is a prospect who I like, and I want them to sign him. And maybe if he gets in a couple AHL games, that's awesome after they sign him. But no, this isn't a Chris Kreider situation. Like, he's not, Wade Allison is not an A prospect. And this is coming from one of Wade Allison's bigger fans. No. Other than Morgan Frost, (laughs) other than Morgan Frost, do they have an internal option that could maybe make some sort of impact like that? 
No. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be like, I don't know. It, it's far from a foregone conclusion that they're going to sign Cam York at the end of his, his, his season. And even if they do, I don't know if he's physically ready to jump in and be an impact guy in the playoffs. And no, Frost is probably the guy. Frost is probably the guy where if you're hoping for that, that prospect boost. Yeah, I just it just cracks me up with Wade Allison because literally like when I, before when I was doing our top 20 prospects list when I was starting to do it in January, like there are people on my timeline who are just like, "Well, I've given up on Wade Allison. You know, he's never going to be the same guy he was before the injury." And now it's like, "Oh my god, Wade Allison. Like he's literally been really good for like two and a half weeks, and now we're all like back on the friggin' bandwagon. It's amazing." We need something to cheer. We always need to be <laughs> looking for the people, yeah, Charles. We, we always need to be looking for the next thing. Like I guess, like getting uh, Patrick back potentially, bringing Frost back up. That's definitely those the are next our thing. two yeah. most likely internal. Yeah, I think so. uh, Boosts. I think so. All right, and, uh, then, and Patrick practicing today. Even if they said it was a skills thing, it was it was a good sign. It was a good sign. What's up with these? Did you add these names here, uh, Kelly, Trevor Lewis, and Melker Carlson? No, that was me. Oh, you did, Because Charlie. I'm going with this whole get a bottom sixer. Okay. And, I mean, they're both bottom sixers who I believe are both on expiring contracts and on terrible teams. Like, these are, to me, like, we're going to spend a lot of time, you know, salivating over the big names on the trade board. Those are the types of guys that I could see the Flyers nabbing because they're cheap and they fill a need. Like ideally, ideally, I think they want a center because yeah. they just don't know. And like neither of those guys are, are centers; they're more wingers. But I just don't know who's out there. Like I don't know who's out there aside from like a Pajot who really fits that role, who's available. It's they're in a tough spot. As I said, I think they'll I think they'll add someone, even if it's just like a minor move. But it's, they're just in a spot where it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them to make a, a real, you know, eye-catching ad at the deadline or before the deadline. Uh, so do we? Do you think there's a chance we see Nolan Patrick in the lineup before the trade deadline? No. 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 I, I think there's a chance he could practice, like, a full practice before the trade deadline. Yeah, I could plausibly see that. Like, the trade deadline is only 19 days away. Yeah. We're not, you know, it's 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 coming up. We're, we're getting there um, today. As I said, today was a good sign. No, even if even if tomorrow because they, they skate tomorrow, even if tomorrow Nolan Patrick is on the ice and he is, you know, he's practicing in full. He's got the, the, the contact jersey on. He's he's doing, you know, coming in for line rushes. I've always said I thought it was going to take about a month. Maybe that was a little bit too much, but it's at least going to take a couple of weeks. And I really think they they would be smart to have him play a couple games in the AHL, just to. I can't envision a scenario where he yeah, does. just to get him back into game mode rather than practice mode. I would think from the first practice he does, I would think at least two weeks, at least two weeks, and that that's like the bare freaking that's, minimum. That's what I would. Yeah, that I I, I would say three. Three is starting to make me feel like. Okay, I'm okay with this. A month to me would be like ideal because that is you're basically giving him a training camp. But 
maybe they figure we don't have that much time and he wants to go, so what the hell, throw him in a fourth-line center and have him play himself back into form as much as he possibly can. Yeah, start him out with six minutes, yeah. get him up to nine. Yeah, maybe, maybe eventually that. get some special teams time. Exactly, maybe that becomes the, the thing. But the idea, like the idea, and Kelly hinted at this, the idea that he was going to practice today and then potentially be ready to come back by Saturday was nuts. Yeah, that's impossible. It was just, it was nuts. And people are like, well, Justin Williams was back within a week. It's like, Justin Williams was was always planning to come back. Yeah, Justin Williams. <laughs> this was just like he didn't want to play the first half yeah. of the season. He's like, I'm a little old. I'm just going to not do that shit. I'll play in the games that matter. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't have like migraines preventing him from skating. He could skate whenever the fuck he wanted to. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that, the, the idea that he would be back soon, like, very soon is crazy. I was just trying to gauge where you guys are. Like, could we see him in the month of February? I mean, in, ab- in an absolute best case scenario, maybe at the end. But like the one thing, and I don't want—I don't necessarily want to end the show on a kind of a low note. But it does have to be mentioned: is that like him practicing today is a step. Okay, it wasn't contact. It was a skills day with him practicing with the team. It was a step. Him practicing with the team in a contact practice is another step. Him practicing with the team for a week is another step. Like at any point of this process, the headaches could come back. And at that point, then you're back to square one. So like this whole process is not like, well, he's practicing now. It's just a matter of time before he's back. Like you're still crossing your fingers and hoping to God that the headaches don't come back. And I hope to God they don't if, you know, it gets to that point. But the possibility that they could is still always out there. So until he's on the ice in a game for the Philadelphia Flyers, you can't consider it to be a foregone conclusion that he is going to play a game this season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Come up with something fun because I don't want to end the show on that note. Yeah, I'm not going to end the show on that <laughs> note. Uh, I would just like to reiterate that our uh, our, our Muppet Overlord Gritty was uh, found innocent on all charges. And he's going to go on, you know, doing what he does, making sure that our fan base is great again and doing everything that he needs to <laughs> You're do. You're really going all in on this impeachment, the oh impeachment boy. parallel, aren't you? <laughs> Like, I didn't follow it closely enough to make, like, the jokes really good. But I think if I just get it subtly in there, like, people people will get it. All right, that is all the the time we have for you on BSH Radio. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and give us some good reviews. We haven't demanded five-star reviews in a little while, and you people have really fallen off. So uh, get your fucking acts together or else. That's it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie and Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about-